Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Compliance is a critical function of the HR department. HR is tasked with making sure that hiring practices, workplace rules, treatment of employees, and a variety of other factors all comply with the relevant laws. In today's HR chat, we're going to talk about compliance and suggest some ways that one's compliance reporting platform can lift the load and open up new insights. Hello, everybody. This is Bill Bannum. I'm your host today. And my guest this time is Scott Lane, founder and CEO over at Speaky, a group focused on transforming compliance hotlines and other compliance areas using AI technology. He's also the president of Ethic Intelligence, a player in compliance certifications and compliance auditing, and one of the few bodies accredited by the ISO for certifications under the ISO 37001 anti-bribery standard. Scott, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Bill, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So beyond my reintroduction there, Scott, why don't you start by introducing yourself and telling our listeners a little bit about Speaky? Well, firstly, my background is more on the legal and compliance side uh, than probably anything else, frankly. I was an in-house lawyer working for large US and Japanese companies across Australia, Hong Kong, China, the UK, and the US. And about 15 years ago, I decided to become an entrepreneur and build solutions specifically for com- companies to help them develop their legal and compliance systems. I felt that it was a gap in the market and that we really needed better systems. And so uh, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I decided to do it myself. After a few companies that I've built and sold, I'm now developing and leading a very interesting little company uh, called Speaky. Uh, So Speaky is a company that is really a software platform. We are software. And we enable companies and their employees to speak up, speak up in their own language and speak up in a way to their organizations in a very technological fashion uh, in many ways and direct from their speaky app on their cell phones. They can report issues through to the company that they're concerned about. Those issues might be around management or bullying, harassment, discrimination unfair or legal legal practices. Um, It enables them to be anonymous uh, and they send all this information through to a management system where members of HR or legal teams review and triage issues uh, for investigations. Wonderful. Thank you very much. I do have a bunch of questions for you, Scott, but you've just triggered my interest straight off the bat uh, with a follow-up question and that's that's around um, user adoption. So uh, you mentioned there that uh, the app is uh, completely uh, private, and um, and it just goes through to the HR department and, and, and no one else. And in fact, it's, it's anonymous. Um, does that make a huge difference when it comes to user adoption? What, 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 what does that education look like uh, for, for employees when the HR department says, right, we've got this new app. It's going to allow you to, to have a voice, to, to speak up when you need to. Um, and it's completely private. It's a good question. Um, you know, maybe I can do a by, by comparison. You know, historically when if if companies did have any system or tool around this it was typically the classic 1-800 number where an employee would be given a 1-800 number and say you know if you've got a complaint or you want to report something use this 1-800 number um, which goes through to a call center somewhere and some call center attendant asks you a series of questions um, and you answer them and that information then gets passed through to the company 
And you know, we saw we saw that and thought that's kind of really about 1990s kind of stuff. Firstly, it uses the telephone system, which frankly no one really uses anymore. And secondly, it's not very user friendly. You know, these days people are very comfortable with apps on their phones. They're very comfortable with messaging and systems like Messenger or WhatsApp. You know, they're very used to having a dialogue on a messaging system. And so that's what we built. Uh, you know, we built the system that's modern day that is easily used, that people are comfortable using. And I think because we don't have a call center, we actually invented a using an IBM chatbot, um, you know, a digital assistant uh, called Nicole. So Nicole is our digital assistant, our, our compliance officer, who has a dialogue with you and asks you, ask you those questions. And you have a dialogue with Nicole and Nicole gathers the information from you about your concerns and she passes it through to the company. So it takes that element of uncomfortableness away from people uh, from having to talk to, to a human and use a telephone. And we think the adoption is really positive and we're really excited about, you know, seeing our global clients around the world using it from, from Africa to Australia. Hello, Nicole, if you're listening, thanks very much for tuning in. Um, okay, so uh, as part of my homework, I was crawling through uh, your website and uh, different LinkedIn posts and whatnot, and uh, I found a few quotes. Here's one for you, Scott. The, the key messaging, and this is from your website, the key messaging for compliance teams is that value is seen through the eyes of the business and that it is funding compliance initiatives. Compliance teams have a duty to show the return on that investment whenever possible, taking into account the objectives and goals of the business. So my question for you is, how do compliance teams achieve that, Scott? What are those KPIs? You know, it's a good question. I think many challenges in any part of the business that's a function, you know, we're not there producing revenue and we're not there in sales. You know, that's just not our role. We're a function and we're supporting the business. And so it's really challenging for us sometimes to really prove that value. You know, we can't do it directly through bringing in revenue. We can kind of do it indirectly through saving money. But most businesses, um, you know, have much broader objectives than just simply saving money. So the challenge for everyone in HR, legal, compliance, IT, frankly, all the functions is how can we make the business smarter? You know, how can we make it more efficient? How can we encourage dialogue? How can we get people to speak up? How do we find out what's going on? How do we get to the bottom of you know, issues which are in the business that we're just not aware of? You know, how, do we, how do we get ahead of issues? And how do we value the time and effort that people invest in our business? And how do we, how do we use that knowledge and skill set to benefit both them and the business? And so a lot of about building KPIs, both for Speaky and for anyone in a function, is how do we contribute back to that business? How do we make it easier for them? How do we make it harder for people to do the wrong thing and easier for people to do the right thing? And that's a big part of what we think at Speaky in providing platform to get people to engage, uh, to have that trust that if they report an issue, that they're going to be protected. Uh, that they're going to be comfortable. And that's really what KPIs are about. It's about supporting that business and being embedded into that business as part of a true business partner. So another how question for you. Um, and, and this very much relates to what you're just saying there about building up a, a company, a business, a company culture, uh, which values honesty, it values integrity. So how can we begin to build companies and workforces rich in integrity and with a common set of, of shared values? 
Well, I think firstly, you've got to have a set of shared values uh, and a real purpose uh, for the company. That, I mean, that kind of goes without saying, but there's so many companies that I come across that haven't really articulated or documented the, the real purpose for why they exist. So I think the first piece of advice I'd, I'd give is to really find that purpose of your organization. So we really need to establish that and work out what it is. Secondly, once you've established that purpose, you really need to get then buy-in. Buy-in from both executives, management, and employees. Buy-in for that purpose. And you've got to turn it into a shared purpose. So at the moment, it's an executive purpose or it's a board purpose, but you've got to get that buy-in to make it a shared purpose. And once the employees start to see those values and they buy into that shared purpose, then they start to espouse them. They start to live them. And you know, many companies have got values like integrity or openness, honesty, but in many cases, they're just buzzwords that are put on an annual report. In order to be really effective, the employees have to buy in on it. And so it has to be real. Those words have to be embedded into the business. They have to be part of the fabric of the business. Um, they need to be understood by, by everyone and they need to be practiced by everyone. So, you know, a big piece of what we think is really important and you know what we try and build in our software with Speaky is to be able to give people that trust, that trust that if they do see something in the workplace, that they feel comfortable to speak up and they, and they feel trusted, able to do that because they know that the organization's got their back. And because they know that, because they're both working off a shared set of values and a shared vision directed towards a shared purpose. And so in order to achieve that kind of trust that employees and management have, you need that purpose, you need that shared vision, and it needs to be embedded into the business. They're the key things that I think are essential to be able to get that culture of integrity. As I continue to trawl through your website, uh, I came across your fantastic blog uh, where you offer lots of white papers and articles and so on. And uh, it, it, it's really useful stuff. Um, listeners, you should check it out. I'm sure there'll be a link in the show notes to it. In one of the uh, pieces of content that you guys recently published, you offered 10 top ways to use one's compliance reporting platform to drive value. You're never going to guess what my question is going to be here. <laughs> Scott, um, can, can you share some of those with us now, please? Look, there's lots of, um, there's lots of ways to, sh to, to, to really have value. Um, you know, one big value is access and time. Um, and let me explain that. So getting access to potential issues that are in your workplace earlier and stopping the bleeding of an event that might be happening is absolutely key. So access is a really important element um, to building a program. You might be losing cash through fraud. You might have an embezzlement happening. You might have people creating fake invoices and, and taking money out of the company. You might have bullying or through some of the poor managers. You may even have issues like sexual harassment or discrimination or racial profiling happening in, in the hiring process. The, you know, there could be a lot of things happening and the sooner that you know about it, the more that you can actually get on top of it and fix it and stem any of those losses. And obviously the financial losses are one thing, but the devastation that comes about some of these issues to the people and the losses that they suffer uh, both either physically or mentally is even far more important than the financial losses. So the first thing I'd say is, you know, it gives you access 
uh, and it gives you time, advanced knowledge to go and focus on a particular issue that may be in the business. The second big value of it is information. You know, so many times when I get involved in investigations or issues and I interview employees, they tell me all the time that these issues have been happening for years, that everyone knows about these issues. Yet when I talk to the managers and the executives, they're clueless. And the question is, well, how did everyone know that this was happening? Yet no one spoke up about it. No one talked to management. Or if they did, management was listening, but they didn't hear you. They didn't hear the problem. And the difference between listening and hearing is action. No one did anything. And so they were listening, but they weren't hearing you. And so a big value that I think these systems bring you is the benefit of information. It gets information from the people in the field who see something, hear something, and they pull out their phone or they pull out their laptop, whichever they do, or even a telephone, and they report through the speaky system, which goes straight to your uh, management profile. That to me is the key values of these systems, you know, access and time and information. Super, thank you. Now, back in February 2021, Scott, Speaky surveyed global compliance officers to assess what their thoughts were on the value of compliance to a business. The, the survey found that only around 20% of participants effectively map against business goals. Shocking, shocking listeners. Uh, with the remainder 80% attempting to align their goals with the business, but doing so pretty poorly. Scott, what can happen to performance when goals are not mapped out against the business correctly or even at all? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, early on in my career, uh, when I really started out as an individual contributor, as a manager, one of the first things that I came across was this concept of corporate goals. And there was a big focus on cascading them down to everyone across the organization. And best practice all tells us that we need to cascade those corporate goals. Now, the challenge with that is it includes everyone. And it's not just sales and marketing, but or, or businesses or countries or regions or business units. It, it's everyone. It, it's all the functions. It's marketing. It's HR. It's legal. It includes IT. So there's a lot of time that's needed to think about your own goals as a function and how to map that to the corporate goals. And it's not easy it's actually quite difficult to do that but it's really essential that you get that connection and if you don't get that connection then what happens is groups tend to go off uh, across the company building their own goals with some sort of vague connection to the corporate goal it's not connected and it's not very directed to helping the business you know to use an example you know i often try and relate things back to corporate goals very simply Let's say, for example, in, in your HR team, you were managing employee investigations and you had a goal for this year that you were going to uh, reduce the average days from, say, 45 days to complete an investigation and you wanted to reduce that to 20. So that in itself is a good corporate goal. You want to reduce the time to investigate from 45 to 20. Now, that's a good goal, but let me take it a bit further. The better goal would be to say, you know, the impact on the business of having that reduction in time is that the, the costs of having that reduced time would mean that investigation time to close would say 
would save, for example, $50,000. So, you know, if we close things in 25 days versus 45 days, we would save, let's say, $50,000 in costs or in executive time. So, you know, based on that company, for example, you might say, well, that's that's a saving of $250,000 a year. So now you've taken a, a, a comment that you're going to reduce from 45 days to 25, which is a good goal, but you've taken it a step further now and you put numbers on it. And so when you put numbers on it, you're really getting somewhere because most businesses think about goals around dollar signs. You know, they're hard goals, they're measurable goals, they're goals that directly relate back to increasing revenue, decreasing costs, increasing customers, increasing margins, you know, increasing the stickiness with customers. You know, they're, they're, they're financial goals and they're sticky goals. And so wherever possible, you know, I encourage people to really think through how do we turn our goals into something that the business can relate to and understand? Business thinks money, they think customers, they think engagement with customers, they think financial. And the question is, how do we relate our goals into something that the business can understand? And that's really the disconnect that I see a lot happening. And if we don't get it right, then what you find is uh, very inward focused goals, goals that look at your department or goals that are very sort of insular and they're not actually directed at what's most important, which is the customer and the business. Okay, thank you. I, I want to talk to you a bit about uh, the the idea of the, the employee voice, if you don't mind now. If, if employees don't feel like they have a voice inside the company, Scott, then won't they just go outside the company to, to voice their concerns, whether that's uh, staying staying in their job, but, you know, moaning through glass door about how terrible things are or, or outright quitting? Um, I, I guess I guess the follow up question to that is how important is dialogue to retention during this great resignation? I think it's absolutely essential. And, you know, as I said before, I think a lot of companies say that they listen to employees. But, I, but I, I, again, I don't think they're hearing them. And there's a big difference. And as I said before, the big difference is action. You know, if you listen, but you don't act, then you're just listening and you're not, you're not hearing at all. People expect you to hear them and they expect you to act on that information. And most importantly, you need to act quickly and efficiently. You know, the time to execute and address issues these days is in hours, not weeks, not months. You know, no one in our current generations is going to put up with a company kicking off a two-year review to study this or study that and then re recommend changes and then spend two years making those changes, assuming they're even approved. And, you know, employees are not going to put up with that. They're, they're frustrated right now. They're frustrated with their governments in most countries and they're frustrated with their companies because they may not be acting fast enough. They're not moving ahead enough. They're not driving initiatives hard enough. There's initiatives that we're just not listening. We're not listening and we're not hearing employees. And again, as you said, Bill, if we don't listen and we don't hear them, then they'll voice that opinion outside. Uh, they'll do it on social media or in the compliance world. Frankly, if they're smart, they'll go to one of the regulators. There are no end of government departments and government regulators who will pay you money, hundreds of millions of dollars, who will pay you money for information about breaches and information about infringements of laws. The SEC, the Department of Justice, 
There are about 15 to 20 now large organizations across the US and we've seen it in the UK in at least two places, we've seen it in Australia, we've seen it in a couple of countries who will pay whistleblowers for information about their companies. So if we don't listen to people, we don't hear them, we don't act on them, we don't protect them, we don't engage them, we don't encourage them, then people will become disenfranchised. And as we started off this dialogue, we said that if people become disenfranchised, we lose that shared vision. They're not bought in anymore on that shared vision and they don't see the purpose. And if they don't see the purpose, they don't see themselves as part of that purpose. And so the answer is they'll go outside and they'll either go outside actively and try and attack you in the market or they'll just leave. Either way, it's devastating to lose that talent and to lose that person that you've, you've built and you've encouraged only to lose them out of our disrespect to them because we simply didn't act on them and we didn't hear them. Scott, I've only actually got a couple more questions for you. Um, and before I ask you how we can learn more about you, maybe as a bit of a summary, a bit of a wrap up of what we've spoken about so far, perhaps you can you can answer the following. Uh, how can companies build an, an ecosystem and processes where people feel comfortable raising issues without the fear of retaliation? Well, it's a good question. And you've uh, left the hardest one uh, to the end. You know, creating a, a compliance reporting system or a whistleblower system, as some people call it, is it's really not complete unless there's a clear absence of retaliation. You know, it, it's not simple to build and to ensure that retaliation doesn't exist in your business. And by retaliation, what I'm talking about is that the person who raises an issue is going to be retaliated against because they're causing trouble, essentially. And we need to build an environment where people don't get retaliated on. And that's tough to do because retaliation can be direct, meaning, you know, we, we can very clearly see that this person's being retaliated against. They raise an issue against someone and that someone dismisses them or demotes them or does something. There's that direct piece, but there's also the indirect piece. And the indirect piece happens a little bit more subtly and it happens generally over a longer period of time. And we've all probably seen instances where small changes to a person's employment uh, or the access they have to information or the participation on teams or the, the opportunities that are made available to them might decrease over time. And so it's an indirect uh, retaliation to someone who might, in the views of their manager or someone, might be a little bit noisy and a little bit frustrating. So the key is if you want to build this uh, environment where people are safe to speak up, you've really got to attack the retaliation piece and you've got to rid that out of the organization. Now that's a mixture of things. It's a mixture of policy, a mixture of procedure, but it's also training and coaching of executives and managers. And it's also putting in some controls. I mean, it's putting in physical controls that says, if this person has raised a you know, whistleblower issue, for example, uh, then before they can be terminated or before they can be demoted or before you know, something happens that affects their employment, we in HR, for example, need to know and we need to, uh, need to approve it. So it's putting in controls to stop that direct and indirect. So in answer to your question, the first thing I would focus on if I was trying to build a system uh, that enable the people to speak up and to encourage them is to make sure it was safe. 
make sure it was safe for them. And retaliation is, is the biggest issue that we would need to tackle first. Super. Thank you very much. I've got so many more questions that I could uh, ask you, but we are pretty much out of time here, Scott, today. But I'd love to get you back on again in the near future. Before we do wrap up, though, uh, how, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe that's through LinkedIn. Perhaps you want to share your email address. Maybe you're really cool and you're on TikTok. Um, and also, how can they learn more about the cool things happening over at Speaky? Well, I'm not cool enough for TikTok, so that's the first thing. Uh, secondly, you're more than welcome to connect on LinkedIn. Uh, so Scott Lane, you'll find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me on the Speaky uh, website, so speaky.com. If you're interested in understanding a little bit more about the things we've talked about, there is a lot of information on speaky.com under our insights page. Uh, you'll see a lot of white papers and articles that the team and myself have written around compliance and reporting and how systems work, et cetera. And so I'd encourage people to look at that insights page, but very happy to connect with people on LinkedIn anytime. Uh, just reach out and uh, look forward to engaging with you. Awesome. And that just leaves me to say for today, Scott Lane, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. You're welcome, Bill. And thanks very much for having me. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.